So the conference ends, and my team is there, and they were cleaning up. The room is empty, and I'm sitting on the sideline, and I'm, like, crying, right? Because, like, you you build up. When hosting the conference, you're on so stage. Much. Yeah, so much energy. So much. And there's so much energy that, like, it has to come out of you. One of my speakers comes in, this guy Brian Best. He lives in Kansas City, and he's like, what's up? And I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, four years, I was like, I can't make any money on this. It doesn't make sense. And he goes, next year, you come to Kansas City. I promise you, you'll make money. I was like, I don't believe you. (laughs) And so I worked with him for the next couple of months. I took a month off, and then I started working with him. We made $10,000 that year. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I am chatting with badass business owner and classic entrepreneur who's got more ideas than he has time to implement them, but he does it anyway, Justin Esger. Justin originally built this successful IT consulting company over 10 plus years ago called Virtua Consulting Group, which he still does run and own. But like so many of us entrepreneurs, Justin has ideas. First, running a successful IT company wasn't enough. So he started a conference for IT consultants, teaching them how to build a better IT business. Now, that was about five or six years ago, and I was actually lucky enough to be a speaker on branding at one of those first conferences back in the day, my first time in New Orleans, fun fact. Uh, But as you'll hear, it didn't stop there. Justin is always looking for new ideas, creating new streams of income, and enjoying himself in the process. And isn't that what this is all about? So it's been a while since I talked to Justin, although we did used to see each other quite a bit back in the day, back in my networking days. So I am looking forward to catching up with him, with you, and let's see what irons he's got in the fire right now. Buckle up. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Showing Your Business Who's Boss. I'm Justin. Uh, as always with me is my host, Pia, whose show this is. I'm taking it over. Yeah, we're just going to see where this takes us. So I have this course, this program. I'm teaching yeah. people how to do my to do my agency, right? Because it's right. awesome. People want to do it. I want to teach them. So I just got a feedback form from somebody who's not going to finish, who's not going to move, keep moving forward to the next step, which is totally fine. You know, it's not for everybody. But right. the the only complaint in the feedback form was, you know, I don't like, like, because there's a range of people, it's only small agencies, but there's a range of experiences. There's mm-hmm. new, there's people who are newer and, you know, one person businesses, and there's people who have multiple employees and are, are more seasoned. Funny enough, more so than I even anticipated, they're all struggling with the exact same thing. I mean, it doesn't matter how long you've been in business, right? They still like, they're like revisiting their niche. They're like revisiting their their messaging because this stuff is never set in stone. It's never done. Anyway, the complaint was all the newbies take up all the time on the coaching calls. Now, I stay on the calls until all the questions are answered. So... Mm. I'm like waiting for these people to ask more questions. And that's not really true anyway. But, you know, it's usually the same couple people that participate. But like, what does that even mean? Anyway, it's more so just that it's what's more frustrating. It's not so much the details. It's just the fact that, you know, when people have mindset blocks, I mean, this is the thing about being in the coaching position in the teacher position. It's like when people have mindset blocks, 
they look for uh, they deflect it to other people when it's really it's like it's all your responsibility to show up and do the work that's what it is in business right it's like yeah. oh this isn't working because of external stuff it's like no it's all up to you <laughs> You gotta show up. It's funny that you mentioned this because, like, I've I used to think like that for years, right? And only recently, maybe in the last which way mm, that that everything was external factors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it's only been in the last like two, three years that I've started to move my mindset and change that because, like, I grew up and I was like, I was like, I believed in concepts from like Buddha, and I was like, I'm all Zen and shit and whatever. And then, like, here I am being like, no, 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 it's all external factors. But really, now that I'm realizing that it's all about mindset, that it's not. Like, you need to step up and do the work. And and the other thing though with that though, this is where people, you have to know that even if you can't do the job, you can still do the work, right? So like. For me, for example, like I do a lot of stuff and I suck at marketing. Knowing that I suck at marketing means I have to step up and do the work in finding people who could do marketing for me and make sure that my messaging is on brand with me and being Mm -hmm. able to have that conversation. I can't just be like, fuck it, I can't do marketing, Pia, just do it all for me and like, let's just hope for the best, right? So even if you don't do the the job, you still have to do the work and you have to have the mindset that like, to to recognize that, you have to have the mindset to like, recognize where your your faults are and, but still, yeah, no, I'm I'm 100%. And be the leader. And be and the be leader. The, I mean, that's what you're talking about. It's like, you don't have to do all the work, but you have to be, the buck. You got to stop here <laughs> with the buck. Gary Vee says that all the time, right? Like everything in your business that fails is your fault. Like it, I, I take that to heart. I mean, I, in a bad I way. I agree with sometimes. Yeah, no, I agree with that also. <laughs> the problem is that like, if you like, if you, if you are de- a depressive person, like, yeah, that can be right? harmful. <laughs> and, and, the, and I'll be honest, like I was diagnosed with clinical depression. I was on a lot of different types of medicines, stuff like that. My doctor finally like when? figured that. I got diagnosed like shortly after my son was born. So maybe like six years ago, but like, so being, having depression and then, and then being like, everything's my fault. Like it really, like it could really put you into a spiral. Right. So you have to understand like there are, there are things that can make that not work. Right. Okay, fine. That being said, no, everything is fucking, everything is your fault. Like, Like, now, it's good. I I like that. You, you know, that's it sucks, right? You don't want things to be your fault. You don't want to be responsible for stuff. But the flip side of that for someone as controlling as I am is it gives you all the control. It's right. like, well, if it's my fault, then I can fix it. And that can be a really empowering thing. And that's what I have always liked about, okay, well, it's all my responsibility, but at least that means that there's something I can do. Whereas if it's somebody else's fault, then it's like, well, that didn't work. Wah, wah. Like now I'm back at zero. And that's part of the problem, right? Having that fixer personality is also another another piece of why I ended up with depression, which is that I always try to fix everything. And there's mm-hmm. been things in my life that I can't fix. And that typically will throw me for a loop. Well, you know what I think? It's just like the the double-edged sword of anything. Like I find mm. like my my superpowers, the the things that make me super potent in the world and really effective are also my biggest challenges, you know? Oh, sure. So the ability to fe- feel that kind of responsibility is also what makes things super hard, but it's also why I have everything I have. So, you know, it's it's like Acceptance is really my word of the year. <laughs> I think especially especially with everything that's happened over the last 
year and a half. With the pandemic and everything like that, I think a lot of people are realizing that they have to accept, that acceptance is a big thing. They have to accept the the world around them. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people, and and we know who they are, and I'm not going to get political or anything like that, that, that are not accepting of it, and that's fine. They will deal with their consequences and, you know, be the way they are. But there's a lot of us who have realized that, like, we have to accept people the way they are. We have to accept the situation that we're in. We have to accept that we're all stuck at home. We all have to, like, it It was a big, forgetting the economics and everything, like that, I think it was a big hit to humans as a whole in terms of how we interact with one another. We're getting back to, you know, simplicity and rawness and stuff like that. I mean, like, this isn't the dark ages, but, like, you know, helping one another and caring for one another, that kind of stuff, like, that used to get buried so much because we were, especially us being New Yorkers, we're always rushing, whatever it is. But now that stuff's coming to light more, right? And we're all accepting of what's going on. And I I, 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 I like that. The acceptance is the is the word of the year year. That's good. And it's not, it's not black and white, right? Like, acceptance doesn't, my word of the year being acceptance doesn't mean accept everything <laughs> at all <laughs> i accept nothing except when i have no control over it and then it's right. acceptance right it's like and that's uh and there's no clear there's a movie about that. that you ever see that movie it's called no. yes it's called yes man with jim carrey oh yeah 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 that's that's like if you wanted to accept everything like that's it's all saying. about acceptance and, and saying yes and then he said yes to everything it's actually a pretty it's it's one of jim carrey's better movies i think i don't think i've actually seen it but i know. <laughs> <laughs> but i very much know the premise i listened to there's another book there's a book about the year of yes and i listened to it i never listened to books like this but i listened to it while i was like doing some home project because it was shonda rhyme dance it out stand in the sun and be your own person that okay, sounds like that she, sounds like a book you would have written she's <laughs> really? That all you would have come up with. It did. Well, I was into it. It. I, someone recommended it that I respect. I don't remember who, but that's why I listen to it because I don't usually listen to books like that. But Shonda Rhimes also is the the writer for Grey's Anatomy and Scandal mm. and all these like super dramatic shows on ABC that you know are way too dramatic. Somebody's dying every. 30 minutes um, and so I was curious what her book would be like and because her and she's been so successful and this book is all about how she like likes to be a hermit in her house <laughs> right, even right, though right. she's you know this incredible creative writer and also just the stories that come out of her mind are just you know really amazing so I just wanted to hear it anyway so I, I kind of liked that because it showed a different side of somebody who from the outside seems like they're just doing it all and crushing it everywhere and breaking boundaries and then it turns out she's like hiding and terrified to go to an award show where she's the guest of honor and it's mm. like the Grammys are. I have a very similar conversation with my wife about that all the time because, like, you know, you, as an entrepreneur, we look up to a lot of the same, right? Everyone looks up to Elon or Jeff Bezos or Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Steve Jobs or people like that. And and the problem is that, especially with social media and everything like that, like, all we see is their outgoing personality because they're on show. Like, just like, like if anyone's listening yeah. to the show and you're hearing the way I talk and then you're like, oh, I want to be like him. The problem is that you're hearing my outgoing personality. I'm on a show with a good friend of mine and, and I want people to like me and whatever it is. But what people don't know is like, you know, when they go home... You know, things might not be that great for them. They may have like, you know, you know, 
shitty pajamas that they got to get into every night. They, you know what I mean? Like, ah, <laughs> uh, people in their shitty pajamas. Yeah, that's what was really... the expression? The expression is like, <laughs> no matter how rich you are, everybody poops the same way or something like that. Like, there's some expression like that. Like, like yeah, pants on one leg at a time. Oh, that's it, pants. I don't know why my, my two year old's potty training, so I have like poop on the brain. I also, poop. <laughs> I think. I think. I never, I never said yes to everything, so therefore I don't have to say no to anything. You've said yes to some pretty big things. I mean, you do some, you do some pretty intense things. You're, I mean, <laughs> your conference, like, I can't believe you have kept it going this whole time. It's like oh the God. hardest thing Me for either. anyone to do, and you thought you should do it. Not just that, but like, n- not where you live and all kinds of crazy things. All right, so why did you let's talk about it? It's business. It's okay. We'll talk about business. We can talk right. about it. I'll give you my history and then we can dive into it. So, so I own I own a company called Virtual Consulting Group. I started in 2008 with a small Apple IT agency where we take care of small to medium businesses who have Macs and we take care of all their IT infrastructure. And then from that uh, a couple of years later, I started doing some app development. I had a really popular app in 2011, 2012 called Sign My Pad, which is a big one on the iP- on the for the iPad. Yes, remember that. And then from that, I wrote a book and I started doing some speaking uh, at conferences about. Basically, it was it was kind of like the Tim Ferriss four hour work week, but like it was like outsourced to get apps built and then make money on top of your day job kind of thing. Mm. And then from there. I started a conference that you mentioned called the ACES conference, which is how to, for IT consultants to how to make their business better. It was the only business related conference for Apple consultants. Most of the Apple conferences are all like tech. Here's how you install a printer, 400 computers at the same time kind of thing. And here I was like, here's how you do marketing. Like here's how you do billing. Here's how you do management. And over the last two years or so, we finally brought everything under one company name, which is now the Virtual Consulting Group, which includes Virtual Computers, the IT company, Virtual Consulting, I do one-on-one consulting, mostly with IT professionals, but other businesses as well, coaching and and, and, uh, consulting, Virtual XYZ, which is our software division, Uh, we've come up with a couple of new apps since, and Virtual Conferences, which owns ACES Conference and the new ACES Mastermind program. So yeah, I do have all of that under one thing. And then we have a couple of like new things that we're working on that are going to help expand our line as well. We're going to try to get into the hardware game a little bit. Uh, How many businesses is that, or are they all kind of shaking each other's hands? They're all kind of shaking each other's hands. The way I look at it is uh, I I do like a wheel and spoke, where like in the the center, the hub of it is uh, Apple computers and then from mm-hmm. there there's all these spokes right so it's it's we take care of apple computers we build apps for it professionals we do a conference for it professionals we do consulting excuse me for it professionals the hardware thing that we're getting into is going to be both for consult for for it professionals and consumers things like that and then i do own the domains but i haven't touched these yet Virtua Energy, because I want to start a solar power company. Virtua Auto, because I want to start an automobile company. <laughs> and Virtua Vineyards, because three years ago, for our, for our holiday gifts to our clients, we found some company that let us white label their wine. Uh-huh. And the amount of emails I got from people going, can you send us more wine, <laughs> was off the charts. Really? So I just own those domains. We'll see what happens. And you And the label was Virtua... Wines. Yeah, it was. I think we called it like I read, like a like you know like iMac oh, iPhone. So I read a Virtua a Virtua Vineyards production or something like that. 
It wasn't even that good. I'm not even a wine drinker. My wife's a big wine drinker. She tried it. She was like, this is garbage. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they don't white label good stuff. They don't white label good stuff. So, yeah, so I owned Virtua Vineyards, but those were all those were all pipe dreams. They'll Jeez. get there soon. Later. You got a lot of... You got a lot of things in the pipeline. Yeah. We got a team uh, to help you do it. I do have a team. So we, UC Beach has a team of myself, and then I have three employees in New York. And then last October, we actually acquired a, another Apple consultancy in Iowa, which allows me to say something that I never, ever thought. Being from New York, I never thought I'd ever say these words. I am the best Apple consultant in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great claim to fame. So wait, so tell me. So you bought an IT consulting company in Iowa, and yeah. now it's your brand. Yeah, like so we we acquired them. Yeah, and so you now acquired we, them. So are you gonna uh, acquire more? Like you could? Is this how? Is that how one takes a business national? Uh, I am in the process of looking for other IT professionals to grow. I have like a a weird idea to become the only Apple consultant in all of the United States. Which is impo- an impossible ask. <laughs> it's an impossible ask. Your because of the- dream is to be a monopoly? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, my yeah. dream is to sit on a beach and just collect checks. Which- no, it's not. Oh, my Look God. Look at all your ideas. I you would sit, wouldn't I would sit, sit still. You- no, I would, this is what I want. I want... You- you ever see pictures of like those the the hotels in the Maldives, the ones that have like oh yeah, the, I want to where you're sit, in the water. I want to sit on the bench on the balcony of one of those with like a notebook and a and a computer, and I just want to like come up with like I literally fixing all I do is Apple come up computers. No, 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 I just want to come <laughs> no, up with kidding, new I'm ideas. Kidding. I want to come yeah. up with I want someone else to fix computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. My wife tells me this all the time. I keep bringing her up. Her name is Michelle. Michelle comes in. I love coming up with new ideas starting them and then just walking away. <laughs> You're a visionary. I have a TikTok that I started with with a Muppet that I built, like a like an actual Muppet. I did like 30 videos. I haven't touched it. I have a YouTube channel that we're doing for virtual computers. I have a bunch of videos up there that we did. I built a whole studio. And then like for the next few months, I haven't touched it. I mean, we're rebuilding a couple things, but whatever. Like that yeah. seems to be my MO and that's a problem. I'm working on that. And even just the other day, I live now in New Jersey. I had this idea the other day that I wanted to go to the the mayor of Wayne and pitch him an idea about bringing entrepreneurialism to Wayne. Because there's not a lot here. Actually, Wayne is really famous. Toys R Us used to be based in Wayne, New Jersey before, mm. they, before they went out of business, right? And Wayne is massive in terms of, like, size, in terms of towns. And so I was like, I'm going to go to the mayor... I'm going to stroll up in there and be like, I have an idea. And I wanted them to give me an abandoned building. And I wanted to make it a space for entrepreneurs. I want to get 3D printers. I want to get a full chef's kitchen for entrepreneurs who want to start their own restaurant or food truck. I want to have offices. I want to have internet. Cool. I want the whole thing. Right? This is my... And so I had this whole plan. <laughs> and Michelle goes, what are you going to call it? And I go, Wayne Enterprises. She goes, isn't that you? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that that's Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I was like, and did he why, like it? Did he like the uh, idea? I haven't, I haven't gotten, this literally had this idea two days ago. I have oh, okay. not, I haven't got, I don't even know the mayor. I have to figure this out. I don't think the mayor is going to give us a building, but I could still in my head, like I can map out this whole thing and do it. Right. And then right. that take up another chunk of time. And my conference is going to be, we're doing another conference this year. Even have you done it even every single year since you started? Yeah. 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 So wow, 2015. Good for you. 
2015, it was New Orleans, Austin, Phoenix, Baltimore, Kansas City was 2019. Last year, we canceled. Wow. We were going to go to Atlanta, but we had to stop because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we were going to do... I wanted to go big because virtual conferences were still new. And I was going to do 48 hours straight new content, like Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis telethon style. And Michelle was like, you have children. You need to sleep. You're not doing this. And I was like, thank you for being the voice of reason. So we did uh, 12 hours on repeat. We did 12 hours one day and then 12 hours the second day. This year, we're doing something completely different again because I can't have the same thing two years in a row. And because it's already now 2021, people are so used to being on Zoom and they're tired of it and conference, mm-hmm. virtual conferences. So we're doing instead, especially because we know our audience, every Thursday in May is Aces Day and we're only doing two and a half hours each day. Two speakers and a round table. And we'll get gifts for people. We're sending boxes this year, the first time we're ever doing swag, things like that. This way, it doesn't... Because normally it's a two-day conference. You, you fly somewhere, your brain turns off. You're like, I'm in another state. I'm in a hotel. Yeah. I'm with people I know. We'll talk conference or whatever. But when you're home, everybody's home because of conference, because of a pandemic, it's hard to break away. We want that engagement. So we said, okay, instead of sitting in front of your computer for two days, listening to people talk, if we just do a small chunk every Thursday... Yeah. It's more more manageable, more palatable, and so and so that's what we're doing. So that's going to happen. So um, what's the what's the idea of the conference? Like, tell me tell me more. Like, how does it what does it lead genning for for you? And what's the business model? I'm super curious because I I've done events and there's so much work and that's it. There's so much. Work. Anyone who's listening, don't start a conference if unless okay. you like <laughs> hate yourself. Don't do it. Conferences are horrible they're horrible experiences they're expensive as hell and they will cause so much stress i'm not kidding like i know you're not i why are you doing it tell me because i want to know i want to see the numbers are you a masochist (laughs) i am a hundred percent a masochist (laughs) the first year the first year we did it okay first year i did it i thought this thing was gonna be the greatest thing since sliced bread for apple consultants and uh, I didn't know anything about conferences. And I called the hotel in New Orleans. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And they're like, great, we'll do this thing. And they're like, how many people are you expecting? And I was like, 250. And they're like, okay, great. We'll get you a block for 250 rooms. Okay. We had 55 attendees. I had to pay the hotel $20,000 because I didn't fill the rooms. Oh, my God. Right? And so I was like, okay, lesson learned. And luckily for me, at the time, there was someone else who was working with me on the conference, so we split the diff. Mm-hmm. The second year, we were in Austin, and I said, okay, no room block. Like, I'm not letting that <laughs> fucking happen again, right? Mm-hmm. Hotel was booked out of rooms to the point where guests were at other hotels, like up the street or across the street or whatever. <laughs> So yet another disaster. <laughs> Fine. So the third year, now we're in Phoenix. Oh, and in Austin, our sponsors were on the far other side of where the conference was. So the sponsors actually never saw the attendees. It's like something went wrong. So the third year, I was like, we got to get the sponsors in line. So we figured out how to put the sponsors in front of like the room where lunch was. So you had to wait in front of them, which worked really, really well. And mm-hmm. because it was Phoenix... I was like, I need the cheapest rate possible. They're like, well, if you do it the week of Memorial Day, 
that's no one's here ever. No one's ever here because it's Phoenix in the last week in May. It's 140,000 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, done. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the year. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. This is, I learned something that year. How much do you think a gallon of coffee, okay, just a gallon jug, right? A gallon of coffee costs at a hotel in Phoenix Memorial Day week. So it's not during the weekend. It's during the, it was a it was a Wednesday Thursday of that week. When it's 195 degrees outside, how much is a gallon of coffee? Hot coffee. Hot coffee. You know, from like one of the things, like the dispenser thingies. I have no idea. I don't even know how much a gallon of coffee is here. Take a guess. Twenty dollars. Eighty-five bucks, Pia. Eighty-five. <laughs> Eighty-five dollars. And they get Jeez. you because if you drink your, if you get a coffee and you start drinking it and you put it down to turn around to talk to somebody, the waiter, like Takes a ninja, yeah. will take it away. And you will go get another cup of coffee. Oh, my goodness. So the following year, I said, I don't drink coffee and I don't care about my attendees. No coffee. <laughs> and the hotel was like, you can't not have coffee. And I was like, I'm not going to pay. We were in Baltimore this year, that year. And I was like, I'm not going to pay. I was like, and I, I took the train down. I went down there. I met with them. It's the first time I actually met with the people though hotel before we started the conference. And I said, these are the problems I've had the last three years. Unless you can solve these problems for me. I'm not paying $85 for coffee. I'm not doing this room block. So they said, here's what we'll do. We can give you an expanding room block. She was very helpful. I love that person. She was so helpful with me. She took me to lunch after. She could tell like I was so annoyed by this whole process. She said, we'll do an expanding room block. We won't charge you for coffee. Did you know that you can negotiate with us on these things? And I was like, nobody told me this. She's like, of course nobody told me. Of course me. not. Yeah. So that conference went off really the, that year. It was our fourth year uh, in Baltimore. It went really, really well, right? And we actually profited for the first time. Just off the fa- tickets. Tickets and sponsors together. Okay, tickets and sponsors. Gotcha. We profited a thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> So the conference ends and great payment and for your hundreds of hours of work. Hundreds of hours of work. Yes. Right? Okay. So the conference ends and my team is there and they were cleaning up. And now at this point, like the room is empty and I'm sitting on the sideline and I'm like crying. Right. Cause like you, you build up because first off when hosting the conference, you're on so stage. Much. Yeah. So much, energy. so much. And there's so much energy that like it has to come out of you. Right. Yeah. So like I'm on the side that I'm like crying. My mother-in-law was there and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just can't. And as I'm like unloading on to my like <laughs> poor mother-in-law, I love her. She's the best. One of my, uh, one of my speakers comes in, this guy, Brian Best. And I mentioned him by name because Brian Best is an amazing human being. He lives in Kansas City. I've been friends with him for years, and he's been he's spoke so far at every conference we've had. We actually, we say that a Brian Best is what John Ratzenberger is to Pixar is what Brian Best is to us. And if anybody doesn't know what that reference is, John Ratzenberger is the guy who played Cliff in Cheers. He voices some character in every Pixar movie. They actually call it out at the end of Cars one i think it is where he's playing the truck and he's watching other pixar movies as cars and he keeps they keep showing clips of his own voice and finally he's like this guy sounds amazing they should use him like they played off okay so (laughs) so brian best is our john ratzenberger so brian best sees me and um 
now having finished like weeping to my mother-in-law and he's like what's up and i was like i'm not gonna do this anymore like four years i was like i can't make any money on this it doesn't make sense and he goes next year you come to kansas city i promise you you'll make money i was like i don't fucking believe you <laughs> and so i worked with him for the next couple of months i took a month off and then i started working with him and we found a wedding venue that he actually was able to drive to take pictures like it was good to have boots on the ground over there we made ten thousand dollars that year wow right year five year five okay and keep in mind our, our numbers awesome. for attendees have been about the same yeah right? and the number of sponsors has been about the same we haven't mm -hmm. changed that formula we did figure out how to get the sponsors to like us more by forcing attendees to go see them, by doing a giveaway prize, all this other stuff. And these are all tricks and you can learn, whatever. But like oh. nothing really changed. What really changed was the venue. Mm -hmm. I was like, we've cracked the code then. We have to do it not at a hotel. So we get out of Kansas City. My daughter had just been born, so I flew home. And we figured it out. And so we're like, next year I'm gonna go to Atlanta. And so we, we start calling around. And we found this great place in Atlanta that we were going to do, it was like a, it was like a co-working space kind of thing, but they were in line in types in pricing with the wedding venue as opposed to a hotel and then pandemic. Oh, and that brings us right. to today. And that brings us to where we are now. So we're technically still in contract for Atlanta for 2022, but. I mean, you are an events company. You just have one event. Like what, one as event. it goes with that, because there's so many things doing events. You didn't hire anybody to do these events. No. You were the it's one all, organizing it's, it's, all of it's, this. Michelle has been, I mean, I lean on Michelle a lot for that kind of stuff. She's yeah. been super helpful. But yeah, it's, it's and that's, and I use that to my advantage when I call people. Like when I talk to sponsors, sponsors are so used to being like talking to a marketing person in this big thing. And I straight away just say like, listen, it's just me. If you want something, ask me, I'll make it happen. Because again, I'm going to fix the situation. Sponsor's like, can I get five minutes to talk if I do this, this, and this? And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, because I don't have a who, I don't have to get approval by anybody. Right. I don't have, it's my call. I get to decide. Well, that's the benefit of doing it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, last year, because of what we did, I actually brought on a co-host, this guy, Tim Pearson, who runs a, an Apple consulting agency out in uh, Seattle, Washington. And so he's co-hosting and working with me this year on it. Also managing like the speakers while I'm doing the sponsors. So that's been helpful. Tim doesn't get paid. He knows this. So anyone who's listening and thinks that I'm paying people, I'm not paying anyone for it. Well, have you ever seen, you ever see that, do you watch that show Undercover Billionaire? You would dig it. The fact that they get people to like do all this stuff for 90 days and not get paid is just an unbelievable ask, right? The first season was this one guy. In season two, it's three people. The guy goes, he's got like a truck, a hundred bucks and a cell phone, and he has to like build a million dollar business in 90 days. But he's got to convince people to do stuff for him for free. Or he's got to, like, find shit to flip and get a couple thousand bucks. We can get... They can't live in their truck and, like, all this stuff. It's a, it's, it's a good show that if you take it. does sound like something I'd like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if can this guy do it? Grain of salt, yeah. Yeah. It's a, if you take a huge grain of salt with it, right? Because you're, like... In the first episode of the first season, the guy finds, like, tires on the side of the road. And he's, like, selling tires that he found. Which is completely illegal, because I like he went in, he like jumped into a junkyard and sold someone else's tires or whatever. But like getting people to work for free. So Tim works for free. We call it a labor of love, but like the idea being is that he's also raising his game a little bit 
right? And the idea is sure. putting sweat equity. He's putting, and that's what the undercover millionaire. They're putting the sweat equity in for for a payout later. Well, especially when you're new or you're building your business, you got to do some things for free. I mean, you know, I rail against free work. I rail against doing things for cheap, but not when you're you have no experience or when you're relatively new. Like that's sometimes you gotta. That gets you. I have a faster. great. I have a great tip for anyone who who has to do free work. Mm-hmm. This is a great tip. I learned this a long time ago. We picked up a school out here in New Jersey. And they couldn't pay us for the first year we were working with them because they just didn't have the, it wasn't in the budget and the old executive director had messed up the numbers, whatever, it doesn't matter. And we said, it's going to be $2,000 a month to work with us, but we're going to give you the first year free, pro bono, in exchange for like uh, reviews on the internet. We didn't care about them. The trick is we still sent them an invoice. Send the person an invoice with a discount at 100%. This shows that you're not working for free. Mm-hmm. You're still working. This is what the value that you are worth. You are giving them a discount. If you don't send them an invoice, they will never think that you're worth anything. But send them an invoice. Even if it's $10 and you discount to that, $10. Mm-hmm. If you send the invoice, you're showing the person you are of value. And, and yourself. And yourself. And then yeah. eventually, when that discount ends... You can be like, I've your billing just continues. Just take the discount. Right, so that was right. that was actually that's something good. I learned. Yeah. If anyone if anyone's listening, that's going to be your best tip. You're going to get that, and don't start a conference. <laughs> I, I so what what is the is it is it profile raising? Is that the point of the conference for you for your businesses? So the conference was born out of the fact that like no IT person does the same thing at all. Like none of us. At the time when I started, like, I pulled a lot of people at other, because I would go to the tech conferences and do runs there. Nobody billed the same way. Nobody did tickets the same way. Nobody responded to clients the same way. Nobody offered the same stuff. And so my goal, and, and I was running my business the same way my old boss. When I started in this industry in 2004, I worked for somebody until 2008. But, like, my old boss, like, my paychecks would bounce. Like, he gave me that laptop one weekend when my paycheck bounced as a, I'm sorry. And then like the following week paid me double or whatever, it paid me in cash or something. Like that. He wasn't a very good business person. He would try to like cut deals with clients. Oh, if you pay a hundred hours now and I'll give you 25% off if you pay it in cash. Right. He wasn't thinking about it in long-term business senses. Right. And yeah. so I didn't have anyone else to model after when I first right. started my business. And so I was doing the things he would. And then I started going to these conferences and talking to other consultants, Apple consultants, and I was like, how do you do this? How, are you, how do you do prepaid hours? And they were like, I don't do prepaid hours. I only do monthly recurring, or I do it as like I'll have the lawyers do it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have that kind of, we only do contract work. Or we only do project work or whatever. And, I, and then I started thinking, I was like, oh my God, there's like an entire world out here where nobody did the same thing. Now, at this point, I had already started the app stuff also, so I was already like involved in the entrepreneurial world. I was listening to people like James Altucher and Tim Ferriss and a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and stuff like that. So like I had the entrepreneurialism. I mean, I, I've been an entrepreneur, even in fifth grade, I was that kid in high school, like selling candy for the, for the future business leaders of America and every day selling out. Like trench coat, trench coat. You're like, oh, you want, you want Sour Patch <laughs> straws? You want nerds? What you want? What you, you know what I mean? So I had that entrepreneurism. So sure. I, I, I would go to these tech conferences and find this information out. And I was like, okay, 
no one's doing this in a way that like makes sense to me. Nobody's doing it the same way. So my my original goal of the conference was to put on a conference to learn how to run my own business. That was the that was the the original plan. How do I make my business better by bringing in experts that I know under the guise of a conference? Right? I needed marketing and I knew this wonderful marketing she was like this funky little chick out of Brooklyn and her boyfriend <laughs> her husband at the time was like a painter and they had this cool studio and like getting to Brooklyn was a pain in the ass from the Upper East Side but like I knew it was awesome and I should have done it and then it was you and I had you at the conference That's true P you I need a marketing me, person You got me all the way to New Orleans That's a great way to connect with people Wait a second so you put this together because it was like killing five birds with one stone. Like you get to connect with people. It does your marketing. It raises your status. You get to learn yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, Let me yeah. ask you, because even though it's it's IT specifically, like we all know what you're talking about. Recurring um, retainer versus hours versus prepaid hours. I mean, service businesses all deal with similar kinds of questions. Where did you land? What's How do you charge now or what have you decided is the best way for an IT company to charge? If you're in IT, monthly recurring revenue is your is the gold standard, right? There's a great book out there. Carl Palachuk wrote a book called Managed Services in a Month. Managed Services is, a, is an industry term which basically means outsourced IT. And mm -hmm. I don't particularly like the term. We, we use the term MSP, Managed Service Provider. And I don't particularly like that term, but it's, it's caught on. It's very big in the Windows world and in the Apple world in the last like five, six years. It's really big. So Managed Services in a Month by Carl Palachuk. And basically, in his original version, he says there's three pricing models that you should do. Bronze, silver, gold. And you have to define what those are. And so for a lot of people, it was like hourly, hourly plus some sort of recurring revenue and then recurring revenue. And so for us, we'd like ditch the hourly. So what we do in terms of billing is you're either all in with us. We're taking care of your computers, your email, your email backup dark web scanning, single sign-on, these are all like super, like all this stuff that we do, and all your hours for like a flat fee, which varies based on like the number of accounts you have. Or you go into what's called our pro plan, which is like we monitor your computer, we push updates to your computer, and then you pay hourly. Like So we decided those are the two paths we want to go. Mm. And a lot of people in our industry are going either that way or some way variant of that, right? So like Tim, who works with me at the conference, doesn't doesn't do the all-in he only does you pay a little bit per month and you and then we bill you hourly for the work there's no gold standard it really comes out because i have a lot of people who come to the conference that only do home users and then i have people who come to the conference who only do enterprise or as right. close to enterprise as possible so the billing models are obviously very different i think at the end of the day it all comes down to learning about new services to sell. And that's actually something that happened was like not at New Orleans, but the following year in Austin, someone did a conference, did, did a session at the conference, and they were like, here's all the things I sell on top of fixing your computer. I sell SSL certs for your website. I sell DNS hosting. I sell Like a reseller of lots of stuff that they need. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I send the client one bill mm -hmm. for instead of $2,000, it's now $4,000. And so we got into that game, right? We resell Google and Office 365 licenses. We resell your email backup. We do dark web scanning. Gotcha. We do phishing training. We do all these. 
as there was the last year we made a price we, we even made a price sheet with it breaking down broken down with like you know you can buy this and a la carte or you can go all yeah. in and here's what you get and then on top of all of that i i actually sell products that i made to our clients mm-hmm. so i created an app and so it's just a website it's called yourcomputerinventory.com the idea is for an it consultant to go in using connective tools called apis to other services that a lot of us use mm-hmm. like watchman monitoring meraki firewalls simple mdm which is an mdm provider google chromebooks you can go in and you can tie these things together and then you can resell my computer inventory to your clients and show them here's a lifetime update of your inventory you can log in at any time and you can control the management of it and we built that because i needed a way to get inventory to my clients and of course then i built in a reseller component i can sell it to other it consultants but i charge my clients for my computer inventory access even though it's my own product sure of which course. goes back to something i wrote about in my book in 2000 and i created this in 2019 2018 2019 but this goes back to something i wrote about in my book in 2011 mm-hmm. i don't know how to code at all really so i I, yeah, I can't. I oh. can barely speak English, let alone another oh, language. What? So I went through. I followed my own steps. I literally was like, "We have a need." I was like, "My first step, in, my first chapter in the book. You can find that on Amazon. It's like four bucks." Is how to come up with an idea. So like the idea was like, we have clients who are asking us for inventory, and we don't want to like manually process that. So let's just find a website. How do we get it built? Well, I know about coders on Upwork. So I went to Upwork, which is an outsourcing website. You can outsource anything on there. I think they have like accountants and engineers. I've done a lot of stuff with Upwork. And I posted a thing. I want to build a website that can tap into these systems using APIs. I wanted to deliver an inventory, blah, 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 blah. And I found this uh, coder guy. This guy named Josh, who I love. He's been with me now for two and a half years. Completely outsourced. So I only bill him when he works. He's very, he's, and, and like I, I found someone out. I he built the whole with. thing for you. Yeah. Yeah, the whole app. But the you front know end, enough about it to have someone build that. Like you've got enough of an understanding of what it needed to do and when it would and wouldn't be working. I mean. Yeah. So I. So what we did was he and I talked a lot. We drew pictures and sent each other like drawings of what I wanted to look like. Michelle, being in marketing and graphic design, was helping with the logo and the feel yeah. of how it should look, how the boxes should look. How'd you pay him? Got, was it a project or was it hourly? Hourly. I paid okay. him hourly. Yeah, I think I paid him. I think the initial was a project just to get it started, and then I've been paying him hourly since. And then we were like, okay, well, let's find a better way to communicate. So like, we opened up a Notion. Notion's this great online tool. Does a lot of stuff. I use it for Notion. my podcast. So, oh yeah. yeah, perfect. So I built a Kanban board because I love Kanban boards. And in it, we just made titles like idea. He goes in, he looks at the idea, he tells me how the estimated time. I go and I approve it. Then it goes into in progress and it goes into testing. Then it goes done. Then it goes double check. And then it goes to production. And so I logged him into my, we share this board. And so now every time I come up with ideas, I just throw ideas on there. Oh my goodness. And I just send That's him a message. Yo, yo just send me <laughs> estimates. He goes in, he just reads quick, gives me, I even made a field. All he has to do is type in a number. I know how many hours it's going to take. And then I, then I decide if I want to move it over for, for, to make this app. And so but again, we built it for us because the four things that I mentioned earlier, Watchman, Cisco Meraki, SimpleMDM, Google Chromebook, those are the things that we use in our day-to-day. 
And so now we're starting to expand it for things that other people use, you know, and we're adding all these new features to it. But like the idea is that that's another product that I built uh-huh. that I can now sell to my client and add it into monthly recurring revenue. And we don't charge a lot for it. It's just enough to keep it going. So, so you started as a service company selling mm-hmm. IT consulting, and then you looked for all these different ways to have these add-ons that are products that increase the value for them and allow you to up the price point of this recurring revenue without having to add more work. And it's really, yeah. so it's a hybrid model. You're doing products and services together as a hybrid to help your clients succeed. And, you, and I leverage those partner relationships big time, right? Like we resell a phone service, for example. The phone provider gives us a percentage, the recurring that my client pays. Mm-hmm. So I right. made so it you're point. selling it to them, you upsell it, and you're getting some kickback on the other end. There's no, no, there's no upsell. So like, let's okay. say, so for this company, for example, like, let's say I sold it to you, you pay them directly and I get, okay. like, I get the 15% commission kickback. Gotcha. So what I did being an extrovert that I am, I started emailing our reps over there and I would just talk to them. Hey, how's it going? I would love to learn more about the product. What's new? Show me some new stuff. I want to uh, give me the insider info. I want to I want to know what's going on the roadmap. I was like, "Hey, by the way, here's something that I'm working on. I don't know if it can work or not. Like I would love to just show you. Let's have a pot. Let's get you on the podcast when I did a podcast. Let's get you. I want to introduce you to Pia. She does a podcast. She's going to promote your service. All this stuff, right? And then you build that that relationship up. And then I was like, by the way, how do I get to 18% from 15%? And they were like, oh, hang on one second. Done. So now, nice. because they're friends with me, and it's no money off of their pocket, right? It's their company. Now I'm like, okay, I have to now take that whole thing, rinse, wash, repeat. Mm-hmm. And that's, I every time I get into a relationship with a vendor... I look at their pricing, and the first question I ask now is, how do I get better pricing? And they're like, well, why do you want better pricing? Like, this is what our cost is. And I said, yeah, but in order for me to resell it, I need to make sure that I'm making enough to cover the cost of whatever. And so I build those relationships up, and, and, and that's where it's at. I even found ways to, with, with some providers, I'll even go to them and say, do you guys have what they call a, this is really good. If you're, if you're reselling someone else's services, always ask if they have a parent-child reseller program. What that means is, if I get you another reseller, mm-hmm. let's say I'm in IT and I bring you to the phone company. Now, Pia, you're in IT. I say, I want to introduce you to Pia. She's also going to resell your services. Can I get a cut of what she sells to her clients? So you're still getting your... Yeah. 15% kickback. Well, it's but like I'm MLM. Get... It's exactly like MLM. Mm-hmm. But it's not MLM. But it's not MLM. Shape or form, yeah. right? This is completely legal. So I'll get... That's not I get illegal, three... is it? MLM... MLMs are pyramid schemes. Yeah, but they're not illegal. They're not... Well, they, all... Ill... they exist. <laughs> they exist. They're not illegal. They're they just... They sell makeup and leggings all day. All day Do your long. research. Google. Google something. I'll get up. It's not illegal. It's that, but the thing is, I'm not, I'm not. No, I know it's not MLM. I know. It's not not, because it's not the goal. The goal isn't for me to get them more resellers. Right, right, right. Right. Well, once they give you, once they give you a percentage, you want to get them more. I do want to get them, right? Because that's way less. But you all win. Right. Everybody wins. But that's, you have to, but you, that all comes down to, that all comes down to networking. 
being a nice person. I, I took, do you know Peter Shankman? Shankman started a company called Harrow, help a reporter out. Oh, sorted. yeah. Yeah, 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 and then he sold it. Now he does a whole thing. He's like a big speaker. He actually was, he spoke at Aces Austin, but he wrote a book called Zombie Loyalists. Great book. Really create culture and get your clients to really like stay with you. And there was something in there about, I think it was United Airlines, that if they found out that one of their frequent flyers would had a baby, they would send them like a baby kit. And in the baby kit was like, it said like baby's first wings or something like that, right? With like the, with the United Airlines wing pin. And I was like, we should do something like this. So go to Michelle. I'm like, I want to do this baby thing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. So we made uh, a onesie with a picture of a laptop with a bottle spilt on it. I <clears> got one. Oh, you did? Right. You did say one to you. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and it says, I don't cry when I spill milk. I call virtual computers. And anyone I know that has a baby, we send, especially if it's, you know, clients, awesome. the idea is to yeah. send it to clients, really, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. you're my friend. So, but we send them, we send them a onesie. Best story about that, apparently, was that one of my, one of my team, this guy Luke was at a client and one of the, one of the women there had a baby and sent a picture of the baby in the onesie to the, to a couple other women in the office while Luke was there. And apparently Luke overheard one of them going, oh, I want to have a baby so I can get a virtual onesie. And we're like, that's not how this works, like, at all. <laughs> but they remember That's us. awesome. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's great. It, it's one of those things. It's great marketing. Um, so, yeah, all of these things build up, right? Like, they yeah. all, and they all build my profile. And this, and this, this is true because, one, I now get asked to be on amazing uh, shows like yours. And two, especially in my community, there was a, a thing that went out. It was like uh, some, I guess the the people at Apple who run the Apple Consultants Network, which is a program they're all in, was like, you know, who are the top five Apple consultants that you like follow or like want to know more about? And apparently, I was on that list, and I'm that was because surprised. of right. It's because everyone of the knows you, yeah, and everybody knows me, yeah. Yeah, you've really elevated elevated your profile, but. To be fair, this is like natural to your personality, too. Like you enjoy this stuff. Well, so going back to what we were talking about earlier in the very beginning, it's natural to my personality when I'm when I'm out of the house, right? Like when I'm mm. home. Again, what what happens behind closed doors? I still put my pants on the same way as everyone else. I still like cry on my couch. Like I'm 41 years old, and there are days where like I get up and I'm like, fuck today. Like, no, just no. But that's a consequence of having depression to a degree and you know, you know, the weather changing and a client sent me a shitty email and says that all the newbies are only asking, taking up all the time. Like, all of that stuff, right? So anything can throw me into a tizzy for the day. So, but like, I'm only human. But yeah, my outgoing personality, when I'm on a show, when I'm on stage, when I'm talking to people, that's... Like yesterday for me, it's 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 warm today here in Jersey, but it's it's cloudy. It looks like it's gonna rain. Yesterday it was gorgeous. Sun was shining. I had my windows open. I was on the phone. I was doing my thing. I was in my zone. And today I woke up and I'm like, I'm gonna be in my zone again today. And I look out the window and it's gray and depressing outside. And I'm like, well, maybe tomorrow. You know, like so. That's just yes. being a human. Just being a human. human. So yes. Yeah. Me, my outgoing personality has gotten me there and but I want people to I want people to realize that like it's okay to not be 
Well, no one's, one's on. No one's on 100. percent You can't 100%, be. Yeah. It's way no. too much energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super on, and then I collapse. It's. I'm trying to balance that a little bit more. You know, I don't yeah. work that many hours, but when I but when I work, I'm. It's really intense. So much so that I can't work that many hours because it's just two hundred percent. Too, right. you know, you can't do that. You can only, there's only so much. Uh, it's it, the car runs out of gas at some point. It does. Um, and also, so, but also, you're you're juggling like a bazillion things. It sounds like your your businesses are really generating dozens of income streams. Like you've got income coming in <laughs> from all different places. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you mentioned this because I totally forgot. This year, I started a, a print-on-demand T-shirt store. Oh gosh, yeah, okay. Right. Who's doing and it? I am. Every now and then I come up printer? with an idea. No, no, no. I use oh. uh, Threadless. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, I Threadless. Threadless. Yeah. Threadless, Amazon Merch. And my business coach, I had this idea for a t-shirt. Years ago, I got invited to be on this thing called the Startup Bus. It was supposed to be like eight buses across the United States. And you get put on a bus for three days. And everyone on that bus, you're on a team. And by the bu- time all the buses converge, you are supposed to come up with like a with a, uh, a company, an idea, and a product. And at the last minute, I had to pull out. I couldn't go. I found out that three of the buses never made it to the destination because they ended up with flat tires. And the bus that I was supposed to be on, they came up with a fucking t-shirt company. And I was like, I wish I was on that bus. I would have stopped that right there. Like, I never wanted to do t-shirts. And here I am now making t-shirts. And so I tell my business coach, I was like, I can't believe after all these years of not doing t-shirts, I'm making t-shirts. And she goes, you're like a t-shirt mogul. And I'm like, that's a fucking t-shirt right there. And I made a t-shirt that says t-shirt mogul. Like, that's what this has been. And, and the reason I do this is, it's true, it's true story. Virtualcomputers.com slash store, I think is the website. The reason I do these t-shirts is that I have an idea. I spent five minutes opening up Illustrator, writing the words, picking the font, saving it, uploading it to Threadless, and calling it a day. The reason I do this is it's another revenue stream. Is it hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, but when I make three or four bucks because someone randomly bought a shirt of mine on Amazon or on Threadless, that's a good feeling for me, Mm -hmm. right? When I'm having a crappy day and then I get an email that says, you made a sale. And I'm like, awesome. That's my win. I'm gonna take that for my win if I'm having a shitty day. So yeah, I'm a big believer in Multiple revenue streams, that's a, that's a, like having multiple revenue streams is like the only way to win, but they don't all have to be multi-million, 700-hour things. Like virtual computers, my IT company, is my cash cow. That's where yeah. the, my paycheck comes from. That's how I pay for my house, my kids' school, food, whatever. Everything else that I do, if I make money on the conference, the T-shirts, the book sales, I wrote a children's book. That we put, we self-publish on Amazon. The my consulting, the app money, all of that is extra building those up to yeah. be more sustainable. But that goes into long term. So when you say I made a t-shirt company, what you mean is you created a, a way for people to buy t-shirts, but you're not marketing these t-shirts, or are you? Like, do you 
I will take a picture. I will take a screenshot because Threadless has a. It's weird. Threadless the way their store works. If you go to like one version of my store, you just see the T-shirt. If you go to another version of my store, you see a person in the T-shirt. So I'll go to that version. I'll take a screenshot of the person wearing it. I'll throw it up on my Instagram and my Facebook and my LinkedIn, being like new shirt. And like that's basically right. it. Right. Like, gotcha. I don't pay paid advertising for that. Doesn't work. And can they uh, buy on? No. Right. Well, it's just a different. It's like that's your business because you're trying to crack the code if you're doing paid advertising right, right, right. and you know, right, right. all this stuff. Do you put it on Amazon? Yeah, merch.amazon.com is amazing. The if you sign up from it's free to sign up with merch and you start off in tier 1, which they call tier 10, and you can put up to 10 products. Mm. So you can either do one product in or two products in five different stores or you could do 10 individual products in the United States store. So I always help people do 10. As soon as you sell 10 things, you move up to tier 25 and now you can do 25 products. And as soon as you sell 25 products, you go to tier 100. I haven't told anyone about my Amazon store. Like, I don't tell people to go to Amazon and buy my stuff. I'm already in the third tier, tier 100. Because I'm making stuff that people are just searching for. So I, a lot of people buy my You're Muted. I have another version called Yum Muted. I wrote one in, I have one in Spanish that says, can you hear? It's a literal Google translation of, of can you hear me? But it's written in Spanish. I don't want to mm-hmm. say it out loud because I can't speak Spanish. Wait, so, so do, they order it on Amazon and Threadless prints it and sends it to them? They for Amazon, Amazon prints it and send it. If you order it on Threadless, Threadless orders. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put it up in both places. Oh, I... I put up a I put up a shirt. I put up a sweatshirt the other day that says "The struggle is real," but the word "struggle" is crossed out and says "hustle" over it. And somebody I know was like, "I need that hoodie," and I was like, "Here's the link." And I sell stuff now. Amazon's awesome because now I have stuff in the UK store, the store in Spain, and the store in Japan. Yeah, they like, make it so thought, easy. It's so easy to do that stuff, right? Yeah. And like, honestly, like, I'm I'm gonna go right now. Like, I'm gonna open this up in a web browser. Ladies and fo- ladies and gentlemen, listening, this is live time. I'm signing, I'm literally signing into my Amazon merch account right now. I'm gonna tell you my shirt types here. You're muted. You're muted. Oh, here's a shirt that sells. It's called How to Get Rich Checklist. Okay. This shirt is. It says ideas to get rich. Write a book. Try to get on Fish Tank because I don't want a Shark Tank. Start a t-shirt company with a check mark in the box, right? <laughs> I sold that shirt. I sold a shirt that says, don't let a bear steal your server. Eat, sleep, Zoom, report, repeat. I have a shirt that says the smelly part of a dog, and it has an arrow pointing to its nose and its butt. Like, these are not, <laughs> these are not good. <laughs> No. <laughs> but I have a shirt that says I have a shirt that says new shirt who dis. They still sell. That's Somebody crazy. bought one of those. I have uh, uh, the hustle is real. I have a I have a red shirt. Uh, this is for Star Trek fans. It says the safety of others. The shirt says this seems safe and it's written in the Star Trek font and I only sell it in red. Because if you're a Star Trek fan, you know that all the people who wear red shirts in the original, if if anyone watched the original series, anyone who wore a red shirt always died. That's okay. the joke. That's the joke. Yeah. I sold five of those. Wow. You're still that kid with the candy in your, in your. Oh, hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. You gotta like doing this stuff. It's so funny. I mean, it's really actually, <laughs> it's really inspiring me actually because it is the complete opposite of how I think about things. I'm like, if this thing isn't gonna make me at least $10,000 in the next like two to three months, like as an idea, if it can't make me at least that much money in the next two to three months, I don't wanna even bother. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, 
I mean, it's a positive thing in a lot of ways, but I'm not even pitching that as like the the way. It's just like my blinders are so like that that yeah, I mean, I can see the benefit yeah. of just having just tons of things. I I around. do I have a friend who I do business consulting. She's a she's a friend and I help her with her business. Auntie Leanne is cake balls. She she, she does custom cake balls. She's in upstate New York. She calls me up the other day and she's like, my dad bought me a, uh, a van, like a food truck van. And I was like, we have to make the van. Her her whole color scheme is like bright pink with like, mm-hmm. it's like a, a her cartoon character has like one of those like 1950s like checkered aprons with the frills around it, like mm-hmm. the whole thing. I was like, that van has to be painted hot pink. She's like, it's expensive. I know, but the the ROI on people remembering and seeing a hot pink yeah, absolutely. van, right? Like things like that. And so then I started getting her do. I actually got her a Threadless account also, and she's making. I was like, make sexual innuendo yeah, shirts sure. and bags, sweaty balls. Remember yeah. That? I, exactly. That's exactly what we played it off of, right? Like, I like my balls dipped in chocolate. Auntie Leanna's cake balls. Like, stuff like that, right? So, of course, she's coming up with that stuff and putting it up there. Because it doesn't cost anything. It just costs a little bit of time. Right. Going back to my other shirt for a second. I have a shirt here called Don't Let a Bear Steal Your Server. And it's literally a picture of a bear over a server. Michelle pulled some stock imagery for me. It took us, like, 10 minutes to make this shirt. The reason I made this shirt was I was listening to a podcast uh, called the Paul Green Marketing MSP Podcast. And he had a cybersecurity expert on. And she literally said the words, you wouldn't let a bear steal your server. It was in some context about like why you need to have good cybersecurity. And I was like, I'm going to make that into a fucking t-shirt. I make the t-shirt. I send him the link being like, love the episode, made this shirt. He then replies Puts me in touch with the cybersecurity person, shows her the shirt. He posts it on his Facebook that has about 1,000, 1,500 followers. Four people bought the shirt. And now, because of that connection, Paul Green is going to be speaking at ACES conference this year. I was on his show. And when I was on his show, I had just like on a whim came up with an idea being like, hey, how about I take over your show one day? And he's like, well, how would that play out? And I was like, I don't know. We'll just tell everybody that you went on vacation and left the studio door unlocked or something like that. And he's like, that's brilliant. So now, all and all of that came from me making a stupid ass t-shirt. I didn't even make, I had Michelle make it for me. Mm-hmm. So I wasted her time. <laughs> <laughs> And, I it's, love it. and, and that, the ROI on that now is immeasurable. Right. Well, so the lesson from that is, right? Because you can't know. Because how many shirts have you made? I have like, I don't know, 40, 50 shirts. Right, 40, 50 shirts. So just the lesson for my listeners is, because that's just a perfect example of what marketing is, right? It's like you do lots of things. You probably made some shirts where you're like, this is awesome and like, Fewer people bought it. You made some shirts that you're like, this yeah. is stupid. And lots of people bought it. You can't quite know. Like, all you can do is be the creative. You can be the one who's creating the stuff, putting the stuff out there. And then you got to let the market do it. But if you do enough of it, some of those things are going to hit and they're going to get you awesome things. Like awesome and ROI. That, and and right? that's exactly what, yeah, I was talking, when I was talking to my business coach about doing it, the whole reason to do it is that one will go viral. Mm-hmm. Right? And then what's going to happen from that? Well, now... My name's going to get out there more. Right. 
And if anything from this episode people can take away, I love talking about myself. And so if I can get my name out there more, hey, you're that guy who made that T-shirt. What else do you do? Well, I also run a conference. I also have an IT company. I right. also do coaching. I also do consulting. I also do TikToks and YouTube videos and and software development. And, a billion and things. I help with, and, and I know. And also, by the way, you need help with marketing. I'm going to help you up with Pia. And you need cake balls for your event. I'm going to help you up with my friend, Anthony Liana. And you need software. I have the greatest programmer. And you want to get on a podcast talking about your IT company? I know, like... That's how all of that comes about. And that could all come from like selling one t-shirt mm-hmm. or talking to one client. You know? It's a perfect point about you. viral. You can't make something go viral. I love it when people call up a marketing company and they're like, hey, I want a viral video. It's like, no. <laughs> you make tons of videos and maybe one of them goes viral. That's how yeah. you get viral content by doing lots of stuff. I had the same experience with all my blog posts. It's like I wrote tons of blog articles, thought some of them were so brilliant, nobody cared. Then like some random one, that's the one that everybody sees. You know, that's the one that was on the first page of Google and got thousands of hits. You just can't know. I mean, we hear this all the time from a lot of the other podcasters and stuff like that in marketing. It's like, just put out content, just put out content, just put out content. And I am am 100% on board with with that idea, but at the same time, I'm terrified about that because like, I built an entire YouTube studio in my office and, and then I rebuilt it and then I rebuilt it again. Like my thing, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I start things and never finish yeah. it. My thing right now is I'm just in the rebuilding. And then I put out some YouTube. I got a video editor. She's wonderful. Jenna, yeah. I love you. And then I just stopped doing them. Mm. And it's not like we have that many subscribers that they're really going to notice. We're trying to put some other stuff together. But like video content and now I'm good at it. Video is not something that's, Video is hard. T-shirts are easy for me. Right. Right. Because all my T-shirts are just like words in a Adobe Illustrator. I open up Illustrator. Someone says something funny. And I'm like, I write it down. And then the next day I put it in Illustrator and make a T-shirt. So for me, T-shirts is that content, is putting out that content sure. as much as possible. And they're just telling people about it. Because you know what? I put out that, that Hustle is Strong sweatshirt. Right. And a friend of mine in Maryland bought it on Amazon. I just made six bucks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Because I had an idea and I put it on a fucking hoodie and I just made $6 and she's going to wear it and someone else is going to be like, where'd you get that hoodie? And she's going to send them my link. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's how that grows. That's my level of content. Yeah, yeah, some people yeah. do it on TikTok. Some people do it on YouTube. Some, you know, wherever you can get it out there. But you have, uh, you're, yeah. You got to like it. You got to, you got to be okay with what it is. You can't force yourself to do something you don't like. I personally enjoy yeah. joy the writing. I enjoyed the podcast. It was harder at first. You know what we do? What we do for our for the for the Aces Conference podcast is we do video, but we do video for podcast. So like we used to never edit our podcast, and so the video is us just doing the podcast. Like it's almost like a behind the scenes kind of thing. I want to film this. I really don't know how. Hey, listeners, if someone can help Pia out. Email her and she will put you, she will do a 15 minute spot on your business on the show. Yeah. Good idea. I'm selling, you know, I'm selling, I'm selling shit. I'm selling airtime on your show. You're such a salesman. No, I like it. That's right. If you can figure this out for me and make it really easy for me, I'll talk about your business. Have you on for a quickie. Yeah. All right. I really appreciate it, Justin. I'm so glad we're reconnecting today. I am so inspired by so many things that you said, and I know my listeners are too. I hope keep, so. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I can't wait for the emails for you to get. Be like, don't ever have this guy <laughs> on your show. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see what, ne- what the next 10 businesses, business spokes are that you build. 
Well, that'll be that'll be by tomorrow. If you or someone you know needs IT help or is struggling to grow their IT consulting practice, you got to know Justin. You can share his website, virtuaconsultinggroup.com. I will link to it in the show notes at psilva.com backslash podcast. Or you could tell them that they should attend his next ACES conference. I was there. It was super fun and informative. As you know, I'm starting to take questions from you, the listeners, and offering some personal coaching from me in return. So all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, include a question, and if I answer your question on the show, I will invite you to schedule a free 15-minute chat with me where I can help you unstick your brand and your business. So go leave a review right now and let's chat. Also, while you're there, you might as well hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you love the show please share it with a friend. Sharing is caring. You know, Justin got me thinking. I take a really different approach to business in that I don't think things are worth my time unless they're going to produce a very clear and significant amount of revenue very quickly. But I'll admit that that creates blind spots for me too. In fact, after we recorded this interview, I mentioned to Steve that we should probably put his prints of his paintings up on a site for sale. It's something that we have been talking about for a really long time, and I just never felt like it was significant enough to take time out to set it up. And yet, after talking to Justin, I realized when I really think about it, you know, Steve's already doing a lot of marketing. He's been getting a lot of press lately. People want to buy his art, and when you want to buy something expensive but you can't afford it, it's really nice to have something less expensive to buy. And you know what? A lot of people love buying $50, $100 prints from him whenever he does put one up for sale once in a while. So I said, babe, you got to do it. Let's do that right now. So he's doing it. So thank you, Justin, for inspiring me. But my point is not that you should be selling cheap things on your website. That is not always the answer at all. You know me. That's almost never the answer. Um, My point is more, though, that we all have blind spots. And mine has always been my refusal to invest time into anything that isn't going to generate impressive amounts of money in the short term. And that served me really well in a lot of ways, of course. But it also has closed me off to new ideas, some of which might actually be really good and really smart. So taking inspiration from Justin today, where do you think your blind spots are? They may be like mine, or they may be the exact opposite. Are you spinning your wheels to make a buck without investing in the bigger picture or the bigger money-making opportunity? Or opposite, do you have something lying around that people want and you already have an audience to buy it and it wouldn't require that much setup or wouldn't require any maintenance? Maybe you should take a minute and do that. Finding your blind spots is always an opportunity to see new ideas and to see old ideas from new angles. And that can always be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Mm-hmm.